HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Southern Farm and Garden, a beautiful handcrafted agricultural journal. Purchase a copy today at southernfarmandgarden.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, August 15, 2018. This is the 188th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the owner of the prestigious Citarella Markets, and he has a new fish cookbook out, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game. Today, for industry news, I have a special on-the-road coverage segment that I've, I did from Tales of the Cocktail, so stay tuned for that. And then at the end of the show, as always, we will have my solo dining experience and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to know what you know and also know what you don't. Sure, we'd like to think we all know everything, but really, is anyone an expert on everything? And frankly, does anyone really like a know-it-all? Probably not. So let's not per- so let's not pretend to be omniscient, but instead take time to think about what we are really good at and then put that expertise to good use. Share your wisdom and learn from others and know that knowledge is key. That's my tip today. Now I'm very happy to have my guest here with me in the studio. It is Joe Guerrera. He is the owner of Citarella, a group of popular Epicurean markets, which started with one of the original and most respected neighborhood seafood shops in New York and now serves almost 5 million customers annually, selling 2 million pounds of seafood a year. Joe grew up in the fish business, learning firsthand the subtle differences between the flavors and textures of dozens of varieties of seafood. In addition to Citarella, he owns Lockwood and Winnant, a wholesale company at the iconic Fulton Fish Market, and hospitality seafood purveyor Meat Without Feet. He is the author of a new cookbook entitled Joe Knows Fish, Taking the Intimidation Out of Cooking Seafood. So welcome, Joe. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for coming here. I'm I'm a seafood lover, so I'm like I'm really excited about this show and to learn everything about what you do and 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 your book. So, um, I always start out with my guests with their background, how they got into the industry. So, uh, take us back. Were you were you just always fascinated with seafood? No, my dad had a seafood shop, and um, I worked in it when I was going to school, and um, 
when I graduated college, even though I made law school, I decided not to go to law school, which pissed my father off. But uh, I enjoyed, I, I was fascinated by the seafood business. And um, then I just applied myself, and I had a, I had a good mentor, uh, more than one mentor. I had some lucky breaks also, and um, here we are today. So, who who was your who were some of your mentors? Well, my first mentor was this gentleman. His name was uh, Tony Murata. Uh He happened to pass away in uh, 1993, when I was just starting to explode. Um, I had already uh, proven myself by purchasing this little seafood shop called Citarella and expanding it. And um, then I had um, started expanding because I, w I was a young, aggressive kid in my 20s. And uh, I said, you know what? The seafood market was a I had, it was a limited amount of customers. Not everybody likes seafood. So I'm going to say on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe maybe 3, maybe 4 people like seafood. Why do you think that is? At that time. At that time. Because today, what would you say the ratio is of how many people like seafood? I would probably say it's probably up, up to 7 now, I guess. Okay. I would say something like that. But, you know, a lot of people... If they order seafood out, it, a lot of them is because they don't cook it at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're intimidated. Right. Which which will get to your book as to why <laughs> right. you, you take the intimidation out of out of cooking seafood. And it's true. I think people order order things at restaurants that they don't know how to make or too hard to make or yeah, are intimidated. Correct. So so what prompted you to by Citarella. Okay, well, I was with my dad, mm -hmm. and um, I was working hard as a uh, as a young kid, and uh, I saw this good opportunity where I could do something on my own. So I purchased this little seafood shop that's as wide as here, maybe, it, and it was named Citarella, and I purchased it in 1983. And was that on the Upper West Side? Upper West Side, 75th and Broadway. Where you are today. Where I am today. After, as time went on, I purchased the building. I took all the other stores. Uh, uh, I went into the meat business, and I, expanded, and I expanded the business. So with people being that you say, you know, not a lot of people maybe love seafood, or uh, how did you grow and expand the business and get people into, into fish and... If it was, you know, not as, not as eager of a seafood market as it is now. Well, I, I think when I started, it happened. To, the timing happened to be right. Timing was when I started. This was before farm salmon. It was like the, the timing of the food revolution. There was, there was no radicchio. There was no arugula. There was no prosciutto in this country before farm salmon. As I said before, mm -hmm. uh, there was no, and. I, you know, salmon, farm salmon probably came into this country in the early 80s. The original farming was done in Norway. But um, that, was, that was all the beginning of the food revolution as far as I'm concerned. Where, and then people became more educated, and then people would want to go out. And it was a place, when I was a kid, it, was, it wasn't a place to go out and be seen or entertain. It was a place to sit down, have, you know, have dinner and go home. But uh, I think uh, with, the, with the food revolution timing, I think it became an entertainment for people. Mm -hmm. It became a place to go besides eating. You did more than more than uh, just the eating activity. You spoke. It was it, it. It wasn't. It became more relaxed. It wasn't as formal as what dining used to be. Right. So then, how many how many Citarella are there now? You've grown it. it There's seven. Seven, and and locations in New York and. There's one in Southampton. One okay. in, one in Bridgehampton. One in East Hampton. There's one on the Upper West Side. There's one on the Upper East Side, and one in Greenwich Village. And one in Greenwich, Connecticut. And are you satisfied with that number? You you opening more? 
I just signed the deal with Hudson Yards. Oh, wow. Breaking news. I just signed the deal with Hudson Yards. That's exciting. Thank you. Wow. God, that's, that's like, it's incredible what's happening there. Okay, so we'll stay tuned for that. You must be in the process of figuring out what those space is going to look like, which is I am. probably exciting to build, right? It's exciting. It's very exciting. I, you know, I, I accept the challenge. Um, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be really a fun project besides the hard work, but I think it's going to be um, it's going to be a world-class place. I really do. Yeah, no, that's that's what's the projected timeline of opening. They want to open in March. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. No, I mean, who knows? Yeah, things are what? I think a sweet greens just opened in there. Like there things are opening. Yes. So oh. Um, so what about what about your other your other seafood your 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 wholesale company and your meat without feet which I adore that name. <laughs> you would like it more if you would see it if you would see the business card or you would, if you would see the truck. Yeah. Because it's a picture of a fish. Uh huh. And you see the fish and underneath it says meat without feet. Yeah. So you'll no, smile. It's, it's very. It's. It, I smile just saying it. I, I'm sure that I would. I would love that. So, so when did you start those, and how, and and how much? I, I mean, I know I, I can assume a lot of your business and is about these relationships that you have with with fishermen, and and maybe and and you're also maybe want to talk about the Fulton uh, fish market and time you spend there to you know. Um, so what get, happened? Get product. What happened was, right after I bought Citarella which was a very good name at that time. And um, <clears throat> it was one of the more famous seafood shops at that time. There was a couple. and um, But at that time, there was quite a few specialty stores in Manhattan. And you had Pal- Balducci's for produce. You had Zabar's for smoked fish. You had Murray's for cheese. Mm-hmm. And you had Citarella for fish. And you had... Um, Low bells for meat. There was all these different specialty stores at that time. And um, I put the effort into growing the business. And um, <clears throat> I, um, I, the more I got into it, <laughs> the more I loved it. And um, I, kept on, I kept on growing. And um, then I started, oh, I was looking for a second location. Mm-hmm. And after that, East Side location opened up in 1997, I believe. Um, I, got, I, I, I was, I gained a lot of notoriety, and people were calling me and offering me to open in all different places, and that's how I got to the Hamptons. Got it. Um, but the with the with the wholesale business, those are you're selling directly to the restaurants. Yes. Well, we do two things. So what happened is once I bought Citarella, I got off on a tangent, I'm sorry. That's okay. So, so once I bought Citarella, now all the, all the owners in the Fulton Fish Market, were the majority of them were all old-timers. So these old-timers, they were respecting this 20-year-old kid walking, walking around. And uh, what happened, one of the companies, the partners split up. They had an argument. They split up. And they split up their place. So one of them had was by himself, and he was seeing the respect that I was getting. And we started talking one day. And the next thing I know, I became partners with him. I, I gave him 50% of his accounts receivable. I paid him 50% of his inventory, and we became partners in the wholesale division at Lockwood & Winant. Okay. And... Um, I started, I, I applied myself like I did at Citarella, and I put my efforts into it, and I started growing that business. And uh, today, we, you know, there's about 20 or 30 independent companies, and my company is the largest square footage company in the Fulton fish market today. And... Um, it says a lot. Yeah. You know, so I've, I've applied myself, and I've, uh, I've worked hard, but... I've loved every every minute of it. I've never said I need a vacation. Yeah, well, that's that's important to do what you love. I think that's been a tip of mine. 
Uh, so let's take a little break here, and then we're gonna, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk all about your your new book that's out. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Southern Farm and Garden, a beautiful handcrafted agricultural journal. Each issue features stories about food history, seasonal recipes, artisanal products, and the amazing people who bring it to your table. Packed with stunning photography, the content is fresh and educational. Southern Farm and Garden takes you behind the scenes to meet farmers, gardeners, wineries, chefs, and artists who are passionate about creating healthy, unique, and sustainable food and products that you can enjoy all year. Are you interested in eating healthier and learning more about where your food comes from and living a more connected life? Purchase a copy today at southernfarmandgarden.com. Foodtank.com named Southern Farm and Garden one of the top 20 magazines for people who eat, cook, and grow, praising it for connecting readers with the food, the farms, and the stories behind our food system. Subscribe today or find a retailer near you at southernfarmandgarden.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Joe Guerrera. He is the owner of Citarella, and he has a new book out called Joe Knows Fish. So what inspired you to write a book? You know, I wanted to write a book about 15 or 20 years ago because I realized then that everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people were intimidated by cooking seafood. And I think the reason why they're intimidated is because it requires focus and attention. It's not like cooking a burger or cooking a steak that you could leave there and it'll take time. Um, when you're cooking seafood, it requires focus because everyone's going to say, I overcooked it, I killed it, I did this, I did that. And I think also the other factor that comes into it is its perishability. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a story about that later as we, as, okay. as we go on. So, but I think, uh, so, you know, I know people, they say, I don't like cod or I don't like halibut. And I say to myself, that's nonsense because those two items happen to be very mild. If you want to tell me you don't like sardines, I got it. Okay. It's a little strong. Yeah. But to say that you don't like that, something's wrong. Either what you had was not fresh to start with or it was overcooked. So this is, I hear all my customers, I'm afraid to do this, and my friends. So then, the last 15, 20 years, I've been busy building a business. But a couple of years ago, I decided to write, finally write the book. And that's why I wrote it. And I, I think it's, um, I, and it's very, it's not easy for me to speak. It's not easy for me to take everything that's in my head and put it on paper. But between my, my team, my wife, my assistant, my writer, the project manager, uh, they did a pretty good job. And I feel, I feel very lucky. And, and yeah. she got my voice very well. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I've been looking through the book. And it's first, first of all, it's beautiful, beautiful photography. And it's very well laid out. But the recipes, my, my take was they were... They were, I don't want to say simple, but like user friendly. Like I felt like I'm looking through and I'm like, oh, I can do that. Oh yeah, that's great. Like it made me want to 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 cook seafood right away. Like I feel like it sometimes, and I have a lot of cookbooks. <laughs> I buy a lot of cookbooks, and sometimes I look through cookbooks that are beautiful, but the recipes are so intimidating and have nine thousand ingredients. And and yours, the ones you know, it seemed like. Not as many ingredients, just like having fresh product, and and then you're telling people what to do with it. That's I made sure of that. That's how I wanted it. I yeah. wanted it to be to be simple, and I wanted to be in, I wanted it to be informative for people. That's why on every recipe, you have 
the raw product, what you're supposed to buy, what it looks mm -hmm. like, and the finished product, what's, what it's supposed to look like after it's finished, after it's cooked. Uh, you have that on every page. And, you know, there's a lot of different uh, elements where I say, trust your fishmonger, to w where you buy your seafood. Uh, the same way, I'm sure, uh, people could relate to this one more, where they have a relationship with their butcher, where the butcher knows them. If they walk in, they, 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 the butcher knows that you want your chicken cut in eight pieces, and you know your, your butcher knows that you want your steak so thick and so on and so forth. You need to form that same relationship with your fishmongers. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking of my mom because she has a relationship with, with her fish fishmonger down in, in Florida, and he knows he knows what she she likes. Basically, she ordered gets a lot of salmon. <laughs> but I was at Citarella on the Upper West Side yesterday, and I was just looking, you know, walking through, and I was looking. I mean, you you have such beautiful products and fish. I was like, uh, it's it was almost like what to get, like so much choice. And, and having that and then having a book that then tells you what to do with it, I think is just really smart. Well, besides the mission that I have is I thought about this with, with the world that we live in today. And I said, you know what? <clears throat> For years, people in Denver, Colorado, Arkansas, Kansas City, Omaha, they didn't have access to seafood as we are so lucky to be here in New York. So the book is part of the project, the overall mission, which is to be able to send fresh seafood to all the landlocked states. This way they could eat healthy mm -hmm. also. Instead of, you know, America is more of a beef country or a burger country where other countries... Where the, whether it's Canada or Norway or all of Scandinavia, they're the opposite. They're predominantly seafood and then smaller amounts of non-seafood. But America is more of a beef country or a burger country. Um, <clears throat> and I wanted to be able to offer seafood to all the states and people that would want it, but they, don't, but they, right. they, they couldn't get it. Right. So now, with Citarella.com, they can go to the website, order any seafood, just like if you and I were in New York, look at the counter, order it, and they will get it by 10.30 the next day, wherever they are. There you have it. <laughs> no, that's, it's a good service. What, what, what recipes, or in the book, what would you, as like, you know, someone who is super intimidated to cook seafood do you have like a recipe that you or that you like a go-to or what you say start with this one i put thought in that also in the table of contents there's 10 chapters and the first chapter is grill and the first item is i use the first item is tuna and the second one is swordfish steaks the reason why i chose those two is they are the most similar to a beef steak or a burger, okay. where you'll throw it on the grill. Now, it all depends if you want your tuna rare, medium rare, or well done. Uh, so if you want a medium rare, a one-inch steak, you put it on the grill for a minute, minute and a half. And in the book, it says, be patient. Put it on the grill. Don't touch it. Wait for a minute and a half. Then flip it and wait another minute and a half. And you should be done if you want it rare. It's actually, actually, you know, people, I don't know, in New York always saying, don't have time to cook and this. It's like... Three minutes I cooked, I'm done. It's pretty quick, you know? <laughs> three minutes, I'm done, and now you got a perfectly rare, rare piece of tuna. And if you want it medium rare, you cook right. it uh, uh, another minute more on each side. Right. And is that, that's part, I know you have your seven rules. Is that part of your, your rules? One of the, well, the first rule is to buy the freshest ingredients. And with that goes along buying... <clears throat> buying very good olive oil and good sea salt. I never use table salt because table salt, excuse me, table salt mm -hmm. is not as healthy for you as sea salt. Yeah. And it's, it's saltier. And, um, but sea salt is 
in my opinion, is good for you. I don't want to get into that, but sea salt is good for you. And um, I use the finest, whether it's Hawaiian sea salt or French or wherever. But And using those kind of products, it adds flavor to what you eat. I like to taste the flavor of what I'm eating. I want to know what I'm eating. You know, uh, if I go someplace and I order something, and even if it tastes good, I want to know what I'm eating. Like, I want to taste the fish. I want to taste the lamb. I want to taste whatever I'm eating. I want to taste the artichoke. I want to taste it. Yeah, well, that's your, I mean, that's why you have fresh product and you want to you want to taste it. You don't want things to be masked, which is why I think, yeah, your recipes and your book are—it's showcasing the products and and telling, yeah, telling people what to what to do with it. Because, um, yeah, I do. I still think, yeah, people do get intimidated by 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 seafood. So this is this is the book for them. <laughs> I think, you know, I think it's a I think it's a very good way for to to break the ice mm-hmm. for people to. Try it. Right. So let me... You're not, you're not buying a car. You're, eating, you're cooking a piece of fish. What's a big deal? Yeah, true. <laughs> true. And, um, and you can learn... And it, I think I like diversity and I like trying different things. But yeah, you can try a different fish that you've never had and, and, and just it might... Yeah, learn that you like something different. So after, after grilling, we have baking, we have sautéing... We have um, broiling, we have poaching, steaming, we have frying, um, we have a, a, a chapter of toast with pasta, and then I have uh, raw, chilled, and I have savory sides also that, I, that, that accompany the, the, the different seafood items. Something for everyone. I tried. <laughs> I think you did really good. So let me ask you my question from my last guest on episode 187. I had on Charles Boulelet. He is the founder and CEO of Suvla, which is a fast line Greek restaurant group based in San Francisco. So he wants to know, what's your process of evaluating neighborhoods to determine the right fit for you and your markets? How do you determine a good location? What's your method? methodology and he was you know he's looking right now in New York City to find a, a home for his Suvla concept so um, uh, what's uh, what's what's how do you do it okay well I think uh, I've been pretty fortunate um, you know starting from the Upper West Side and then going to the Upper East Side which took me quite a few years before I, I found the spot but being there, uh, I'm sort of, I realized that, that I'm spoiled because those two neighborhoods are the most, most densely neighborhood, populated neighborhood probably in the country because I'm also in, in Greenwich, Connecticut, and I'm also in downtown Greenwich Village, and the density is not the same as the Upper West Side or the Upper East Side. Yeah. And, um, you know, so... I happen to be fortunate to be in those densely populated neighborhoods. So, um, you know, I've made a couple of mistakes in neighborhoods that um, that couldn't support what I'm doing because what I am doing also is very high end, mm-hmm. and uh, you got you got to be careful. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess I guess a little a little luck goes into it, or I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I mean, it's amazing that you've you've had such long runs, and I mean, the the from the Upper West Side one, you know, and that's it's it's uh, well, how have you seen? I mean, have you you've been there for for so many years? Has the the neighborhood or the clientele or something has that changed over the years, or has it been consistent with your business? I've seen the neighborhood improve okay that's good very much so on the upper west side um i went on the east side i believe about 10 or 15 years later and uh but again you know there's always uh, new buildings going up and always, uh, always. <laughs> and um business has always been good on the upper east side i wish 
my stores could be bigger in the city, but uh, it is what it is as far as the, the, the size of the store with, with Manhattan real estate. Yeah. But, um, you know, we've, um, and we support every neighborhood, every single different neighborhood that I'm in, I support everyone. And uh, I've become part of the community. Yeah, well, I think that's important. Okay, let's take another break here, and we're going to come back and play my speedrun game, and then we'll have industry news, and I'll have my uh, segments from Tales of the Cocktail that I'm going to play back. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Joe Guerrera. It's time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I name a few things, such as chocolate or vanilla, and you pick your preference. Okay. So I give you choices. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? In. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Communal. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Tuna tartare or grilled tuna steak? Tuna tartare. The old Fulton Street uh, fish market or the new one? The old one. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Neither for me. Uh-huh. He just wants fish. <laughs> Last one. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or the Bronx? Manhattan. Wow, you were like you were like lightning with that. That was amazing. Most people just talk get stuck and it turns into a ten minute conversation. I was born in Brooklyn. <laughs> and you know, uh, I really um I love where I where I where I live. Mm-hmm. Um it's, um, I have all the worlds, I have all the different kinds of food that I want, and there's such diversity in Manhattan, I think uh, people forget how lucky they are to be there, because if they were from Kansas City or Denver, I wouldn't know half of what I know about food, and I, and I couldn't have written this book. Right, very true. <laughs> Well, you're great at the game. Okay, so for industry news today, uh, first I have two announcements. Coming up on August 19th is the New York Cocktail Expo. It's taking place in uh, Long Island City, Queens at Melrose Ballroom, and it's featuring 30 to 40 craft spirit tastings with some of New York's top cocktail bars. So um, you can sample cocktails, spirits, beer, and cider, and more. And if you'd like to go, you can go to their website, nycocktailexpo.com. The other announcement I have is a second helping of life. That event is coming up with women chefs that it benefits New York City's SHARE, a national nonprofit that supports and empowers women affected by breast or ovarian cancer. And it's its annual event on September 
17th at Chelsea Piers. This year, it's led by executive chef Barbara Sibley of La Palapa, and it's its 15th annual event. It's a wonderful event. I've been for many, many years, and it, it supports a really great cause. You can go to sharebenefit.org to purchase some tickets for that. And now, instead of uh, a discussion, what I'm going to do today is I have some interviews from when I was at Tales of the Cocktail, which took place in New Orleans July 17th to the 22nd. And uh, so this is uh, one of my special on-the-road segments. And I have three interviews, one with Miss Frankie Marshall of... Uh, Le Baudour, which is, she's a cocktail maven at this underground cocktail bar, which is in Brooklyn. And another interview with Josh Morton, the owner and founder of Barrow's Intense Ginger. And then the final one is with Stephen Myers, U.S. Trade Ambassador for Mr. Black Coffee Liqueur, which is from Australia. So take a listen. The segment's all together about eight minutes, and uh, you'll get a taste for Tales of the Cocktail. So, thanks. I'm Ms. Frankie Marshall, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, so great to see you here down at Tails. So what brings you down here this year? Well, quite a few things. I had a Pinot de Chirant tasting room on Tuesday, and uh, I worked a, an event, and today I was moderating uh, the said talks, which I curated as well. So how, for people who don't know, what are the said talks? The said talks, well, said stands for Spirits, Education, and Development. And it's basically a, uh, it's various industry people just talking for about 12 to 15 minutes, no PowerPoint, uh, just about their aspect of the industry. So whether it's today we were talking about um, rethinking bartender education or changing the, the culture of drinking and cocktail bars, uh, everything from that to operating multiple bars to branding to, um, you know, herbs and bitterness, you know, how to use them and incorporate them to your cocktails. So, yeah. How did you come up with your lineup? Well, you know, it was very difficult because, the, honestly, there was just a world of, as you know, peer, people out there and specialists that could have spoken on anything. So I just decided to make it, to choose topics that were interest of interest to me and then ho- and hoping that they would be uh, of interest and relevance to everybody else as well. But it wasn't easy. <laughs> Yes, well, the herbal remedies yeah. was very interesting, yeah. I found. Um, yeah, they were all, they yeah. were all great. And then you're absolutely right. Sharon Sena, she's a former bartender as well. I met her when we were both caps in 2010. And, uh, and yeah, so again, it was a little bit personal like that. Mm-hmm. I knew Sharon, uh, Sharon, and there were a couple of people I didn't know at all, and I just reached out via email and said, hey, you want to participate? So Great. So... Uh, what else do you have going on this weekend? Well, I will be um, on the red carpet with the, the winners. I will be hosting that. Oh, you're Interview- hosting tonight? Well, inter- uh, no, I shouldn't say hosting. Oh. I'm interviewing the, the winners on the red carpet. But that's big. I'm going for the first time. Are to you the really? Okay. Well, yeah, I'm excited. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, that's very exciting. <laughs> and just quickly, what else do you have going on back in Brooklyn? Well, I'm uh, still at the bar, Le Boudoir. I run that bar in, on Atlantic Avenue in downtown Brooklyn. And uh, yeah, I work there a few nights a week as well. And yeah, continuing to work with categories. I work with cognac. I work with the Pinot. And then I just, you know, uh, I'll go wherever anyone tells me to work, to talk, <laughs> to do any, all that stuff. So. Awesome. Well, so great to see you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Hi, Josh Morton with Bowers Intense Ginger Liqueur out of Brooklyn. I got two Brooklyn. Brooklyn in the house right now, back to back here at Tails. So what brings you down here? Uh, it's Tales of the Cocktail, so um, we're actually in 40 states, so it's really great for us because we get to meet people from all around the country and around the world and taste them on our ginger liqueur. So when did you launch? We launched in, in 2013, and the first Tales I went to was interesting because we were pretty much only in, in New York at that time, and it was great meeting a lot of people, but it was a little frustrating because they'd ask, oh, can I get it in my state? And I, the answer was always no. And so this year has been really fun because the answer is almost always yes. But uh, we uh, partnered with, nationally with uh, the folks at Don Q Rum, and they're our national sales and distribution partner. So uh, it's great for us because we can be, we're a small little brand. It's, it's, we're out of Brooklyn. We do everything by hand. But then we have a larger partner that has relationships with the distributors. Um, if you know the liquor industry, it's a three-tiered system. So... You need to sell to a distributor before you can sell to a bar or restaurant or a liquor store. And so the distributors are kind of the gatekeeper. And so the nice thing about having a partnership like 
with DonQ uh, is that they already have those relationships with the distributors. So if we need to get into a state, they already have that connection. We just go in with them. They manage all the crazy laws and the shipping logistics, et cetera, and we can focus on making the best ginger liqueur in the world. Nice. So what's, what's your tales week or weekend been like? How long have you been down here? I got here on Monday, and I'm leaving on Sunday. Actually, uh, we are uh, sponsoring this year uh, for the first time Pig & Punch. Uh, we're one of the sponsors. Uh, it's a great uh, fundraiser that they do, uh, I think, since the first tales, and it raises money for uh, the KIPP school uh, down in New Orleans. Uh, really great organization. Um, so Pig & Punch, if you're here on Sunday, I don't know when this is going up, but um, definitely check it out. Or if you're coming to Tales next year, uh, definitely Pig & Punch is the thing to do. We're going to be opening a tasting room up in Industry City in Brooklyn uh, oh, nice. probably by September. So uh, for those listening to this in New York uh, or anywhere, uh, if you're in New York, uh, definitely come out and visit us in, in Brooklyn. That's awesome. There's a lot happening in Industry City. Yeah, it's been amazing. I've been there for five years, and to see the transition from when we got there to now is incredible. Great. I will check it out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Steve Myers, and I am the U.S. trade efficacy guy for Mr. Black. It's a cold brew coffee liqueur from Australia. Wow, so how did you get involved with Mr. Black? Um, my other brand, Illegal Mascal, uh, shared the same distributor with Mr. Black, and they were looking to to branch into the U.S. after sort of doing phenomenally well in Australia and the U.K. So they set the sites over here, uh, and we got in touch, and it sort of, the people are fantastic, the product's amazing, uh, and so I started working with them. So what, 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 describe the product a little more? Is there anything like that right now in the U.S.? Not the really. So um, we are a roastery and a distillery, so essentially we're a coffee company. We just happen to make boozy coffee. Uh, we source our beans from around the world, predominantly Kenya, Colombia, and Papua New Guinea. Uh, and we make a phenomenal cold brew, and then we use Australian wheat as the basis for uh, vodka. Uh, and we bring sugarcane down from Queensland, and we create a, a coffee liqueur. So Australia is notorious for the, the quality of coffee that we've had uh, for a very long time. And the, the founders decided to bring that daytime coffee culture into the night. So relative to a lot of the, the old world coffee liqueurs, uh, we're half the sugar and ten times the caffeine. So we really are boozy coffee. And how much, how, how boozy? Uh, 25%. So okay. it's, it's still a classic liqueur uh, alcohol-wise, and it does obviously have a certain degree of sweetness, but like I said, half the sugar compared to, to most of the other traditional coffee liqueurs. Is it meant to be drinking on its own or mixed? Uh, it's good enough that it can be. Okay. Um, on the rocks with a lemon twist is gorgeous. Uh, the guys here at Dante who are doing an espresso and tonic, we do a Mr. Black and tonic with a squeeze of lemon. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's high caffeine, low ABV, um, great in tall drinks. Obviously, espresso martinis are starting to come back into fashion. Um, you can even pour it on your vanilla ice cream and make a boozy affogato. It's funny you say that because when I was in Australia about five, six years ago, um, it was summertime there, and I was trying to get iced coffees everywhere I went. And I found that the Australians, every time I ordered an iced coffee, I basically got espresso with with ice cream in it. I got an affogato. Uh -huh. uh, there was not the just ice with with coffee idea as much as it is in yeah, the U.S., so, and I was surprised. So uh, the same Australians are notorious for drinking hot coffee. Uh, Starbucks obviously failed because of the, the quality of cafes and coffee shops there already. Uh, and we, we drink hot coffee. Obviously, the flat white comes, right. from, comes from down there. Um, so you get more flavor making a cold brew, but cold brew coffee as a drink in Australia is really not that big. Um, and so when we came to the States, where cold brew really is a thing, the fact that we have cold brew coffee liqueur on our label, uh, everybody loves it. Well, it sounds great. So what are you doing down here at Tails? What's your uh, role? So we did a, a grab and go this morning in the lobby of the Montelion. Uh, we figured by the time Friday came around, everyone was probably a little dusty and a little slow in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, so we just did a Mr. Black on the Rocks um, to get you sort of that, that little bit of a caffeine kick in the morning to, to get you going into Friday and the weekend. Thank you. You're most welcome. Thank you for the chat.
Welcome back to Own the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my silly dining experience. So before I give this week's, I just wanted to give a little shout out to my last solo dining restaurant that I talked about on episode 187. I went to Maidan in D.C. and yesterday Bon Appetit announced their hot 10 list and Maidan was number two on the list. So uh, congratulations to them. It's uh, I, I really enjoyed the restaurant and Bon Appetit did too. Okay, so this week my solo dining experience is at Manhattan. Here's the rundown. The location, 28 Liberty Street, 60th floor, Lower Manhattan. The concept, combining sky-high views with the down-to-earth spirit of a neighborhood spot, offering seasonal and soulful food inspired by French flavors, complemented by wines deep in Burgundy. The owner, Danny Meyer, and Union Square Hospitality Group, and the chef is Jason Pfeiffer. So why did I go? Because this is USHG's latest opening, and I'm a sucker for a great view. My experience. So I went without a reservation, and uh, you take the elevator up to the 60th floor, and when I arrived, the bar was was quite happening. Um, I checked in with the bartender, and I got lucky because there was one seat available at the end of the bar right by the windows, which was perfect because I had that amazing view. Uh, I ordered, I ate, there was a lightning storm coming in and a lot of excitement watching with these over the windows of this, this storm kind of coming in. But uh, and they also at the, at the restaurant, they have binoculars there available if you, if you want to, if you want to use them. So um, it's definitely, it's definitely an experience beyond just having drinks and eating. So what did I get? I had the tempura scallops with remoulade and turbo with market peas and hollandaise, and I had a club soda. My take, the scallops were beautifully presented on the shell, really nice and quite tasty, and the fish was perfectly cooked. I didn't even realize I was tying in fish right here, but I order seafood a lot, so I love the fish. It had uh, fresh peas with it, and it was really like a taste of summer. The ambiance, so it's a gorgeous long space, and it has floor-to-ceiling windows, uh, this awesome Manhattan view. At one end of the space is the bar, and then it moves to the back dining room. Perfect for dinner or drinks with friends. Interesting tidbit. So you can order a la carte at the bar from a similar yet limited menu from the dining room, and there's a burger that's only available at the bar. And then if you dine in the restaurant, it's a three-course prefix for $78. So personal fun fact. I ran into my past guest, Steve Cuzo of the New York Post when I was exiting the elevator and he was going up for dinner. The cost, $53. That's not including tax, but it is hospitality included. Would I go back? Yes, I would like to have dinner uh, in the back. And uh, they they have this uh, chef's counter that they weren't utilizing yet, but uh, I think that would be a great place to sit too. Their website is manhattarestaurant.com. Have you have you uh, heard of this place, Manhattan? I've heard of it, but I haven't been there. Yeah, it's really. I mean, it's way downtown, but it's. I mean, because it's way downtown, then you have the view looking uptown of mm-hmm. all of Manhattan. It's pretty pretty spectacular. So um, it's time for the final question. My next guest is Michael Chernow. He's the founder of Seymour's, a one hundred percent sustainable seafood restaurant with six locations in New York City. Michael is also the co-founder of The Meatball Shop and Well Well. So, Joe, what would you like to ask Michael? I would be very, very curious to know what he likes to cook at home. Having all the diversity in the different restaurants that he has, I'd like to know what, what he would cook at home. Okay, I will find out. I kind of, I my hunch is he's, he's, a, he's a healthy and and he's a healthier eater, and I would guess he would he would love your book. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I will ask him. And that's the show. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed getting getting to know you and hear about your background and and discovering your book. It's really it's really great. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And I look forward to, to, to your upcoming location, too. Not that far from me. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so my guest today has been Joe Guerrera. He is the owner of Citarella, a group of popular Epicurean markets. He's also the author of Joe Knows Fish Cookbook. And you can uh, find him and get more information on their websites at citarella.com and joeknowsfish.com. And you can also follow him at Joe Knows Fish. Did I get all that right? You did. Okay, good. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. Website's BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. You can find all of our shows archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. I would like to uh, thank Carrie Bachman, Joe's publicist, for helping set this up. And thank you again, Joe, for joining me. I would also like to thank my Tales of the Cocktail uh, guests today, which were Frankie Marshall, Josh Morton, and Stephen Myers, and everyone at Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans. It was a really wonderful festival weekend. And uh, thanks to David Tadashore, who helped me put my interviews together, and my engineer today, Matt. I'm Sherry Bayer, and uh, so it's the end of the summer here for for me and us at Heritage Radio. I'm taking a little break. So my next live show is going to be Wednesday, September 18th, again at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I hope you'll tune in then and enjoy the rest of the summer, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.